0: So here's something I learned from Office Ladies. They get so much mail from fans.
1: Well, they have fans. Okay,
0: listen, they get (laughs) hundreds of hundreds of emails. They had their fans make a whole Facebook page just, just to celebrate how much they love this podcast and talk to each other about it. The host didn't even know about that Facebook page until someone told them about it. Okay? So I just want, like, a few. A few emails.
1: How do people have a baby? What's gay? Um... What is a period? What is transgender? What is a condom? What is a sperm? What is poop? I can't say it. What is puberty? What would it be like to be a boy? But would a boy want to know what it's like to be a girl? What is that? What is sex? Welcome to What is Sex? Each episode, we will discuss one anonymous question we've been asked by a kid while teaching sex ed. I'm Rebecca.
0: And I'm Izzy. And we're two of the co-founders of Yes, a nonprofit that provides anti-oppressive, consent-based, pleasure-focused sexuality education to people of all ages.
1: We believe it's never too early to start having these conversations. To learn more about us, check out our website, yes2consent.org, and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at yes2consent. Are you ready?
0: I started. Okay. Hi, Izzy. Hi, Rebecca. We're back. <laughs> we're back. We're back.
1: I'm excited.
0: I'm happy to be back. Me too. And you know what I'm really happy about?
1: Yeah. Yeah. We got a grant. Oh, that was not what I thought you were going to say. <laughs> oh. Um. That's really exciting. Do you want to talk a little bit about yes, that? Yes,
0: because it's life-changing. It truly is. For it. both of us. Yes. It's really, we cannot thank enough the Independence Public Media Foundation, which has given us a grant, believes in us, believes in our podcast, and is allowing us to to really do this this time, to to make sure that everybody involved gets compensated appropriately, which is aligned with our values, and to help us really
1: learn how to make
0: a podcast.
1: Yeah, it is, (laughs) yeah, honestly. Who knew that, like, financial... (laughs) <laughs> support. stability and support <laughs> would be the salve to my embittered soul
0: <laughs> I knew
1: uh, everyone, yeah. everyone, knew. everyone knew.
0: yes we're so grateful thank you Independence Public Media Found- Foundation thank you our pal Noela who is the person who connected us with the Independence Public Media Foundation and just really was so supportive is so supportive of us and our podcast so thanks Noela we appreciate you
1: What I thought you were going to say that you were excited about, which is what I'm excited about, although comparatively much less so, is that we're recording together.
0: That's you! In person. I know! It's great. It's really great. And we can thank Mike Morangello for that as well, because he came over the other night and taught us how to use our equipment.
1: Which we've had for the last three seasons.
0: (laughs) But now we know how to use it such that we can record together with two different mics so you can hear both of us.
1: Yeah, and we're in the same room. We're in the same room. It's I had this mental block, fun. and even though I know this is how podcasts work, that like there was no way that you and I could sit in the same room. I was, I was imagining you in your kitchen and me in the living room <laughs> and just sort of like praying that we heard each other. Wow, well, we're sitting at the same table. Just ceremoniously in the same space. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, I'm very excited. There's so much to be excited about right now. Yeah. I'm excited about our question for the first episode of the fourth season. Me too. It's Which? one we've gotten more than once.
0: We got it a fair
1: amount. I would say I get this question every day.
0: <laughs> sure. And I get it anonymously from students pretty often also. That's really sweet. It is really sweet. Our question for today is, how are you?
1: I feel like um, I have like a pretty big stance on this question mm. and a pretty big stance on uh, these pleasantries that mm. we we use in our vernacular and mm-hmm. like have habitualized mm-hmm. and... Um, I don't like them. I don't like them. I feel like they're so often hollow.
0: I agree. You know, I actually really like, how are you now? I've embraced it because I answer it honestly. Yeah. People aren't always ready for it.
1: They're almost never ready for it. Yeah. Not even ready, but they, they actively are disinterested as soon as you start telling them.
0: I have to say, I think the pandemic has changed this, though. I think for the first time, everybody expects people to be doing badly. Yes, when they say "how are you," and so they're more prepared for an answer. And I we love
1: commiserating.
0: We do, and I have really enjoyed a few times with different people. And I've done this myself and I've seen a bunch of people do it. Someone will say, how are you? They'll say pretty good. And then they'll go, mm, no, like, let me try again. That wasn't true.
1: That is my favorite thing to do with Mike, mm. our sound engineer and my partner. <laughs> <laughs> um, <sighs> yeah. He's like the biggest culprit of mm. being like, everything's perfect. Everything's great. After mm. like regaling me with stories <laughs> about how he's had a terrible day or is feeling badly. Mm. And I just want to be like, it doesn't have to be okay. Nothing's perfect.
0: Yeah. I've been starting meetings with my employees and like when I'm leading meetings, starting with like, how are you really? That's my yeah. question. And then giving people like as a check-in moment and then also something positive because we can't just dwell in them. The, but you know, right. right now I feel like I have things to be grateful for and things to be anxious and miserable about. Yeah. Both.
1: You know, my my instinct when someone says how I am, I, is to go to how I'm feeling mm. immediately, not mm-hmm. to all the things that I'm contemplating and, like, how I am holistically. Mm-hmm. Um, and I am often doing better than how I feel, if mm. that makes sense. Yeah. So.
0: I like to say. My, Always, I
1: would say, I'm, I'm oh. doing better than how I feel, well, actually. Nice.
0: My go-to these days is, like, ups and downs, ups and downs. <laughs> you know. Like, if I have to do a quick one, you know, not, like, I go into it, but. Because, you know, you pass on the street, you go, how are you? Good. How are you? Good. I hate that. Yeah. How are you? I just go, yeah, pandemic, ups and downs. Okay. That feels more true.
1: Yeah, it certainly is. It also sounds a little bit like a ditty from the Music Man or something. <laughs>
0: I love the Music Man. Yeah,
1: I know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's not a ditty, though. It's just my life. Ups and, and- downs, ups and downs.
1: <laughs> or maybe it sounds a little bit like... um. I don't know Walrusy from, from Alice in Wonderland. Oh, I oh I was what are you of, saying? From the
0: producers, Uma Thurman's character. <laughs> I've never ups and seen down, the ups, okay.
1: In, in, full.
0: Do you know a fun fact? Hmm. So I was once in the producers at camp, and do you know who was in it with me? And do you know who saw it in the audience? Wait,
1: I do know the answer to this.
0: Okay.
1: Not Nathan Lane, Matthew Roderick? No. Son. No. I don't know. Someone's son. Someone's son was in it with me.
0: Uh, George from Seinfeld, played by Jason Alexander. His son, Gabe, yes. was the lead and the producers at camp, and I got to be in it. And Jason Alexander was in the audience, and I said hello to him because he is on my favorite show of all time. And it was a big moment for me and my dad because it's a family show, Seinfeld, a beloved family show. And That's my a dad, show where no one's
1: pretending they're okay.
0: No one it's pretending they're okay. Except for that one episode where Elaine's pretending to be happy for George when he gets engaged. But then she tells the rabbi who lives in her building and he goes on TV and tells everyone that she is in fact very bitter
1: and jealous and resentful and doesn't think he deserves happiness. Yeah. Your Rolodex of episodes of the show is, (laughs) is endlessly impressive to (laughs) me. Thank you. You're welcome. Okay.
0: So (laughs) with that, Oh wait, I have one more thing to share with our
1: listeners. If we have any listeners at this I point, know. we've taken a really long hiatus.
0: But with this funding, we oh, are back. I thought back. you meant that
1: we've just rambled on for so long that people have turned oh, off the episode. That
0: too. That too. But I just want to share that I am listening to my second ever podcast right now.
1: She's doing the work, you guys.
0: <laughs> trying She's to learn, trying to, try to learn podcasts. Spotify, when I was listening to music, suggested that I try Office Ladies podcast. And because I apparently am very susceptible to advertising, I just said okay. And now I am deep into Office Ladies. Have a lot of thoughts, and I just wanted you to know that I now listen to a podcast. Yeah. So. That seems important. I really feel like I know podcasts better
1: now. I know that I want people to be honest about how they're doing, but I really wish <laughs> you would just pretend that you know what a podcast is.
0: Well, I do now. <laughs> I've heard two. Yes. And this one. Mm-hmm. Three. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. I will say over and over again, I shouldn't, I shouldn't, but I will. If you would just put on our podcast on on mute and just play it over and over again, that would really help us.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't hurt anybody. Easy. Easy. Um, also, I really feel like we have a dynamic that can be mapped onto the office ladies dynamic. I'm clearly the Jenna Fisher and you are clearly the Angela Kinsey. Why is that? Jenna Fisher is the one with Pages of Notes, <laughs> which you see right in front of me. you sure do. Angela Kinsey is On grid the, paper. On grid paper. Um, Angela... She does prepare more than you do, but um, in the first episode, there was definitely a dynamic between them of like, well, are you prepared, Angela? She's uh, like, yes, Jenna. Yes. Yes, I have thoughts, and no, yeah, come exactly, to me. Exactly. Um, Jenna is very into organization, and um, also, this is probably something we both relate to, but Jenna Fisher has really good takes on clothing for comfort, mm. pockets, and... Mm. Sports bras and and how you should always be dressed such that if the zombie apocalypse comes, you can run really fast.
1: Should always be able to run. Yeah, yeah. Um. Okay. Well, we have a surprise for you all later on in the episode that I had been super excited to present and to inaugurate into this uh, podcast structure, which I did not prepare. For it all today, and just did the preparation for right before we started recording. Because as he was like, "Are we doing this or are we not?"
0: It's your baby. It's my baby. Yeah. It's a. This surprise is how to I per-
1: would prepare for motherhood. People would be like, "You know, your due date is tomorrow. Do you have a bassinet? Do you have a crib?" And I'd be like, "I thought I'd just carry it. I thought I'd just wait until it crawled somewhere it liked." Okay.
0: <laughs> okay. So we're talking about how are you? We yeah. are. Our first. Bit on our podcast as always what's the question behind the question do you think there's any question behind that question Rebecca
1: I think yeah I mean the first thing that came to mind was I feel like my teachers and my educators have always been people who I really can't get a read on and I Mm -hmm. feel like as I got older and older I was I was more curious about if they were really enjoying or behind the things that they were saying Mm -hmm. if they had lives outside of you know, the 45 minute block that I saw them. Mm-hmm. So I think that like it, the, the intention is true. And like, I don't think that there's really a, a question behind the question, but I think that like understanding that kids are, are curious about like what the heck do these adults in my life do is probably part of it.
0: Definitely. I mean, I think the question behind the question you just spoke to is like, what is your deal? Like, wh- what, who are you really? How do you really feel mm-hmm. about anything? Yeah, definitely. And I think just looking for connection to like, I want to know you,
1: like, yeah. will you,
0: will you actually share something of yourself with
1: me? I also think there's a part of it. Um, that is less maybe sweet, mm-hmm. But still honest about, like, when we ask kids to respond anonymously and ask us and, you know, we say that they don't have to ask us questions, I think that there is a default to, like, well, I guess I could just ask them how they like are. Politeness. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, we do say they have to write something.
1: Oh. Um, so I think, yeah, so that I we think know that's definitely part of it. A then. lot of
0: kids just, like, write a happy face or write right. a picture, draw a picture. But the idea is just so if one kid has a question, we don't know which kid it was because right. everybody wrote something. That was my phone, because I have not learned that in order to make a podcast, I have to turn my sound off. And I think Mike told me I'm not supposed to have my phone near the computer. So let me let me fix that. <laughs> Sorry, Mike.
1: I'm the one editing this. <laughs> Sorry, Rebecca. <of> <laughs> it's fine. Okay. Um... It's fine. We're we're so chill here. i so
0: <laughs> not. I can't embody chillness even as a joke. I just, it's not me. That, I'm going to talk about that a little bit in there. Me our, too. Oh, great. Let's keep talking. We're on the same page. Okay. So our second question is just how have we been? How are we? Right? All right. We dealt with some technical difficulties. <laughs> Jesus. We're um, not computer people. No. <laughs> We are not Gen Z. Last I night mean, we the were number having of wires in front of me right now. Is <laughs> it's overwhelming. Anxiety. It's overwhelming. Um last night we were talking about whether my sister and her friend are Cusp Gen Z millennial, and they were really like, We're not Gen Z. Like the Gen Z people,
1: they really know computers. They really <laughs> we do. We really don't. Yeah. They really do. I was all right. This is a tangent. Let's hear it. Uh, okay. I was interviewing someone who's interning with me for my other organization, Build Up Boys, and I was I was trying to convey to them that I needed help with social media in a way that didn't imply that I was like literally saying like I need help. Uh-huh. You know, I was like, you know what you could do would be helpful for all of us. But then she was like asking me for ideas, and I was like, well, here are some ideas. And she was like, okay, and yeah, and like, could you tell me a little bit about like how we might implement that? And I was like, ah, I can't. <laughs> It's just like I don't even know how to make a Tik a TikTok.
0: I've made a few TikToks. Did you know?
1: I didn't know. That.
0: They're embarrassing, and I yeah. like them.
1: Rachel has made a couple of me.
0: Uh huh. Anyway, we could use help with social media too. If you're listening, and Please. you want to, <laughs> you so. want to
1: volunteer? Oh my! Yeah, I'd pay you <laughs> out of pocket. <laughs> okay. okay.
0: How are you, Rebecca? Really.
1: I am I'm currently feeling really good great like for the first I was in a real rut for a long time a lot Mm -hmm. has happened Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like it's it feels ubiquitous and a little bit um, I don't want to say played out because that's so insensitive but like let's just say like pandemic aside there's been like a lot of things that have happened unrelated to the general depression and fear and like tragedy that people have experienced over the last couple of years that I've experienced personally that have like really shifted the way that I see myself in the world for for the worst. Oh, tell us more. Well, I, I'm extroverted and I like derive a lot of my confidence and my self worth and my understanding of how I like contribute to the world by seeing people. So that was cut off. Yeah. And I had to reevaluate all the ways in which I made money because I think staring at a computer screen, which I always knew was bad, seemed to be inevitable, which made me really scared Mm -hmm. and was making me sad Mm -hmm. and tired. And yeah. So I've just been like, I'm seeing you in person. I've been seeing more of my family sort of not since Omicron, but whatever. I just like, I sort of have been reminded in the last month or so of, like my ability to feel like myself Mm -hmm. and it's been um, like revitalizing and reaffirming. So I'm feeling good. Uh, And I got a new mattress, you guys. That's exciting.
0: Yes. I'm really happy
1: for you. I know. I, it's a weird time for this to be happening, but I, I'm like hardly working still, but I just began basically a full-time set of hours between three different things and immediately went into shopping mode was just Mm. like, I'm an adult and I don't have a new bed. I don't know. I'm an adult and I've never bought a new dresser. Mm -hmm. Um, and I've just been using that as an excuse. Like when am I about to be 30 and I don't have a new dresser? (laughs) So silly.
0: I'm with you though. I'm replacing a lot of my furniture these days. Yeah.
1: New mattress is key. Mm
0: -hmm. Anyhow. Mm -hmm. So I'm feeling good. Great. Yeah, you know, <laughs> it was my birthday yesterday, and it was a really sweet day with a lot of love from a lot of great people, so that felt really nice. I just like feel grateful for how many people from different parts of my life are in Philly, like that I have friends from childhood here.
1: You have so many people here. I
0: know, I know.
1: That you know from not here.
0: Right, because I'm really committed to getting them here. <laughs> And I have people that I know from here, which is, yeah, it just all felt really sweet and great to be together in the ways that we could in the pandemic and to get mail from people who aren't here. So that, yeah, that all made me feel pretty good. I will say I had a, a month or two of like deep seasonal sadness where I was just like, I can do nothing. I will lie on the couch. I'd be like, let me try to work up the energy to stand up to wash a plate. I'll let me return to the couch so that at some points felt okay. I was like, I'm just going to hibernate and just accept it. And at some points felt not so great, but you know, I'm also deeply extroverted and I think a visit from friends really snapped me out of it. Like right before I had to come back to work and I was like, I don't know how I'm going to start working again. And then they came and visited and I was like, I'm ready to work. <laughs> I feel good. So got to remember to reach out to people when I'm feeling bad. Also though, I've been really thinking like there was something about the slowness and the rest that I got over winter break that I do want to hold on to. I don't just want to like immediately burn out again. And so I'm trying to figure out how to hold on to rest and slowness, like a slightly slower pace now that I'm back in my semester. And I have taken breaks from a few things that I was doing. Of course, I've started doing other things, but try not to just do all the things on top of each other. Playing violin is really bringing me joy right now. I, uh, for anyone who doesn't know, played violin my whole childhood and haven't really played much since college, except for little bits with the kids, um, like playing, you know, Twinkle Twinkle Little Star and like, whatever, Minuet One. Um But I've been taking violin lessons with my old violin teacher on Skype and that's just like a really fun thing to stay connected to. I I really have been appreciating the things that brought me joy as a child that still bring me joy like violin and musical theater (laughs) and just like finding the continuity between childhood joy and adult joy. Also, though, I guess I forgot to mention some big changes happened for me in the last like six months when I'm living alone for the first time. That's been a really big change. Let's talk a little bit about that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm loving it for you.
0: I'm loving it for me too. I'm loving it for me too. I It was not a choice exactly. It happened to me a little bit. But you know what? almost 30, as you said. <laughs> and I really like I really like it. I am an extrovert, and so I have to remember, like, if I spend two days in my house without seeing anybody, I start to flip out. Mm -hmm. But one day is great. Mm -hmm. Part of every day alone in my house, so nice. Yeah. I really like it. I'm naked so much more. I'm really having a great relationship with nudity lately. It's really nice. Although I told you about the time I tried to eat my cereal naked, and it led to cereal explosion. That was not so good. (laughs) But other than that, really nice. And um, also hard. And also that whole process taught me a lot about boundaries and saying no and advocating being for myself. You're so vague. Wow. What can I say?
1: There is so much to say. This
0: person Should we talk about all the boundaries we learned this year? Um, yes, I will say the process of... Going from a roommate to living alone was a big lesson in boundaries. I've had a lot of other lessons in boundaries. And I just feel like year 29 for me, which started yesterday, is year of boundaries. I got a new tattoo. Have I even showed you my new tattoo?
1: I don't think so. Oh, yes.
0: (laughs) I got a new tattoo that says no in the cheat sheet spot on my left wrist. So like if I was taking a test and I needed to remember an answer, it's right there for me. So when I need to remember to say no, it's right there for me. And it has already been helping. My roommate and I had some really different ways of approaching um, conflict and landlord issues, tenant issues. And it was not going to work. It was not going to work. And in the past, I have been very... um,
1: avoidant, conciliatory
0: Hmm. with roommates. I have not been avoidant, I don't think. I've just been like, I'll make it work. Gotta make it work. That's why we we live together. Gotta make it work. Gotta sacrifice, gotta compromise. No matter how uncomfortable I am. I've had some other roommate situations
1: that (laughs) I should not have. This is the first time that someone made you financially insecure and like threatened your housing situation.
0: Certainly. And even so, Rebecca, you were the one who said you still get to decide, like, you still get to say no. Um, At different points in this situation, uh, Rebecca really reminded me that I get to make decisions about my housing situation, and I don't just have to go along with what other people want. I'm allowed to say what I want. I really forgot. I really feel like this situation brought out for me, like, I my instinct is to like or in some situations or in this situation is to just go along like I have to. there's no other option. And it really took my friends reminding me that I have choices. I mean I got to live the life I want uh, for me to advocate for the life I want. So um, living alone is really thanks to my community and my friends who were really supportive and helped me uh, figure this all out. Thanks, Rebecca
1: anytime. I love telling people that they're allowed to say no. Great. I
0: love being told it because it's hard. Speaking of which, yeah, little plug. Yes has some really cool greeting cards for sale, including a congrats on saying no. No one has given me one yet, but I really hope they do because I really want to be celebrated for my nose. I like, I just think it would really make my life better. So please my friends buy me a congrats on saying no card, but also everyone else celebrate your friends. When they say no, celebrate yourself when you say no, it's really a moment we're celebrating. We have a congrats on setting a boundary. Congrats on saying no. Congrats on your separation. If you're brave enough to have a breakup that you needed to have. Um, We have lots of other ones too.
1: Yeah. Puberty
0: ones. Period. Body ones. Throwing your scale in the trash. Rebecca drew that one. I love it. Making a new friend, yeah, they're great. They're great. I really think they're fun.
1: So yeah, we need to we need to do better at celebrating the things that are hard for us that aren't um, thought of as like societal benchmarks.
0: Yes, yes. Like marriage is not like it's not hard to get married, right? No. Like that's an easy thing to do. Yeah, it's hard to leave a marriage. It's hard to go through puberty. It's hard to stop weighing yourself, and it's hard to say no, and those are things that I want to celebrate people for.
1: So buy a card. Buy a card or two, or three. It's time for Stump. Stump? The. What? Sexpert. Me? Yes. Okay, everybody. I don't know if you know about this part of me, but I love trivia. I'm not good at it.
0: I love it, too. Do you know that? Do you know that in in college, my senior year, me and my... Roommate and great friend went to trivia every single week, and we would try to get all of our friends to go. And some weeks we would get big teams, but some weeks it would just be us, and we would lose so badly.
1: Oh my god! To this team, no, the
0: Philosoraptors. It was the philosophy department professors and students. The professors, the professors and students would go. It was like pub trivia. That's not fair. They always won. We hated the Philosoraptors. I still hate them, and the two of us always lost. Except for one year, the, one day on my birthday, all my friends actually came,
1: and we won wow yeah once everyone feels better about being inside i would like to consistently do a trivia night with a group of people I who want to do it really like that okay. I, I would love that. i love trivia me too great i'm really not good at it we love it depends games. on what it is We're but game typically people. no good game people so right and also as our listeners should know i've been touting a game section to this podcast for a long time that i never got together still haven't really gotten together i mentioned earlier i put this together right before we recorded this is take one give us your feedback um, okay, so in theory, we will have played our theme song for this segment. That's fun. Uh-huh. Okay, so how are you? Felt really open ended. So these questions are a little all over the place. Okay, and I'm trying to figure out what order to do them in. One of them is on my phone, which I don't have right now. Okay, <laughs> so I'll just do these two. Okay. <clears throat> As we all know, I went through most of my childhood suppressing my emotions and playing the cool girl. As we also all know by now, I wish I could still do this. <laughs> Alas, <laughs> uh, I've grown, and whenever I'm confronted with conflict or emotional stress, I experience intense physical responses in the form of this term, which is a physiological reaction to fight or flight, causing my stomach to flip or turn. Whoa. I have, do you need me to read it again? No. Okay, I have a multiple choice for you. Oh. Unless you'd like to guess. Oh, great! No, please. Right. A. Guttural anxiety. Okay. B. Anxiety nausea. Okay. C. Confrontational nausea. Oh. D. Fuck all this.
0: <laughs> okay. Okay. What were the? What were B and C?
1: Anxiety nausea and confrontational nausea. Let's go with confrontational nausea. C. The answer is B. It's Uh, called anxiety nausea. And I look this up because it's one of the things that upsets me the most about how we respond to anxiety or fear or stress Mm -hmm. because I always feel like my physical reactions are so much more intense than how I'm actually processing the thing. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And I'm like, I could compartmentalize this interview that I have tomorrow. Like It's doing me no good to be stressed about this, except that I feel... So sick. Mm.
0: Do I get don't that? get it in my stomach. I got it in my chest. I Ugh. feel like I can't breathe. Yeah, that's horrible. I just like feel this tightness yeah. in my chest. Does that have a name? Probably. Anxiety Asthma? chest problem? <laughs>
1: Anxiety chest <laughs> problem? <populations? laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. Um, okay. As our listeners may know, me and Izzy did high school theater. She acted and I did tech theater. I think you also did tech at one point. No, okay. Our senior year, we did a beloved musical called Little Shop of Horrors.
0: I love that this is in our podcast.
1: Which we both love deeply. So much. In the iconic duet, Suddenly (laughs) Seymour, Audrey, a survivor of domestic abuse, is hopeful for her relationship with Seymour, exclaiming that Seymour don't do these two things. What don't Seymour do?
0: (laughs) He don't give me orders. He don't condescend. Yes! (laughs) You know, I...
1: I had no idea that she was saying orders <laughs> until I looked up this question 25 minutes ago or whatever. This, I know every word to this song. I thought I do too, uh-huh. but this one lyric, Auders. she says like, orders. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, what is an order?
0: So what we're learning from this question is orders, getting orders in a relationship, red flag. Red flag. Condescending, red, red flag. flag. Get out of there. And then we'll give you a congrats on your separation card. This is fun. Is this fun for you? I like this. I like a game. I like a game where I can sing. I hope there's always at least one song question. You got it. Okay.
1: I can do that for you. Great.
0: Do you remember the game show, Don't Forget the Lyrics, hosted by Wayne Brady, very briefly on TV? Yes. I loved that show. Sure. Okay.
1: Okay. Final question. This is... We should have ended on Little (laughs) Shop of Horrors. You can edit it however you want. That's true. I can edit it. I have the power. (laughs) Okay. Final question. According to the Macmillan Dictionary, mm-hmm. the phrase, quote, how are you, is often used as a friendly greeting to imply an interest in someone's health or well-being. However, they say, this, the speaker is not what, question mark. So when you say, how are you, to someone,
0: you're They're not, not asking a question. They are just saying hello. They're greeting you. Yes.
1: They say, the speaker is not, quote, expecting the person to respond truthfully or tell them how they are feeling. Fine, and you, they say, is a proper response. That is true. Okay, I got two out of three. Pretty good. I passed, right? Oh, yeah. Okay, 70%. S- yes, that's, yeah, that's an 80%. No, 66.6%. Well, I know 6-6. that, but... Good for rounding you. up. Thank
0: you. B. Round, we are rounding <laughs> up
1: to 80. Great. Um thanks for playing, Izzy. Thanks. Well, I also had some stuff going on this year yeah. that reminded me that I can say no. And I yes, Izzy. Yeah,
0: we had some friend drama. We had some we had some, had some middle school level friend drama.
1: <laughs>
0: <Ugh>. <laughs> yeah. It was yeah. mostly not fun, though. I'm laughing like it was fun. It wasn't so fun. It was <laughs> never fun. No, no. But it was never no, fun. Well, I was going to say no friendships ended. That's a lie. No women's friendships with each other ended over this drama, which is often what they tell you about middle schoolers, is that the girls turn on each other. Right. I'll say with certainty the women in this situation did not turn on each other. We stood by each
1: other. Yes. Proud of that. Yeah, it was really... Yeah, it was so hard. I had a situation where an ex of mine who I was still friends with, who I was still physical with, and my one of my oldest friends wanted to date each other. And uh, I was just peripherally involved through every person in the situation. Is <laughs> he yeah. just heard all of just the had a relationship with all three of these all people? All the contemplations, <laughs> all of the pre-conversations, <laughs> all of the debriefing. And was like a real, anyway, so the the whole situation was that I, for maybe the first time in my life, like allowed myself to tell some people how I felt about a situation that I knew would impact how they approached it and how they navigated it and maybe like the choices that they ended up making, which is what happened.
0: Can I just add to that? Let's just stop there for a second because that was really momentous. I really remember that conversation when you were like, I don't think I would feel very comfortable if they dated, but I cannot tell them that. I was like, I think you can. You were like, no, because it's not my business. They're adults. I don't want to tell them what to do. You were just like, it's not an option to tell them. And I was like, actually, Rebecca, it's not telling them what to do at all. It's giving them information about how their behavior would affect you. And these people care about you a lot and like would want to know. And you were like, I don't, I don't know. It was like a real journey. Like at first you were really just like, absolutely not. And then I got to watch you like really grapple with like, what if I actually just valued how I felt about the situation as much as how they feel about it and like shared it with them, not to tell them, don't do it. You never said, no, like, here's what I want you to do. Right. You just said, here's how I would feel. And that's so important. And, and at least one person in the situation really did want to know
1: that. Right. Right. So I'm proud of you. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, it was, um, right. So obviously two people were involved outside of myself who were going to be affected by this information. One of them handled the situation as best they could and really like offered me a lot of respect and consideration and kindness despite feeling conflicted and a lot of pain because their decision was inevitably not to see the person. And this took place over months. Months and months and months. Months and months. Oh, my God. Um, and the other person <laughs> in the situation did not handle it with so much grace or respect or, or respect. Kindness. Yes. Or consideration for like anything really, or anyone else outside of themselves. Yeah.
0: We both dealt with some people this year who really, who, you know, who are, who are assigned male at birth, who are socialized as men, who really just think that they are
1: good, good guys, good guys
0: and value themselves. Over all others. I mean, that's one thing. Whatever. I don't even want to say that. What I mean to say is don't consider other people Yeah. when making decisions.
1: And also think that being good looks a certain way. Mm-hmm. Like, means that you listen to NPR and, like, would vote for a woman president and wouldn't, like, physically assault someone is, like, pretty much... <laughs> What seems to be the benchmark. Yeah. Or the bar.
0: Yeah. Yeah, we have a lot to say today about so-called nice guys. Nice guy. Yeah.
1: Yeah, no thanks.
0: Yeah, if you haven't watched Big Mouth and seen Nick's little, like, incel arc about being a nice guy,
1: please do. It's very informative, very helpful. Anyway, so that affected how I had been for a long time. But it was another situation, despite being it really hard to tell them. This is right. This is. I'm I remembering, w- I was losing a little bit of why I even wanted to bring this up in relationship to this question, but I was asked by one of these people pretty often how I was, how I was dealing with this situation. I was able to be forthcoming and honest, like mostly because of Izzy and my roommate's um, reminders that I was allowed to say it, which, yeah, I mean, probably a few years ago I wouldn't have. Who knows? And. I, I just, like, came to reappreciate the value of that question and, like, when someone really means it. When someone really means it and gives you the space to answer and is asking because they care about you. Yeah. Even if they don't care about you, but they're giving you space to answer. It's really invaluable. hmm And, yeah, I just think that it's really important to... I don't want to say, like, police people's language. That is obviously not what I'm saying. But to, like take people at their word Mm. and not to sort of write off what people are saying to you or how you respond to people as, as like a formality Mm -hmm. or as a casual exchange. Not everything has to be so casual. You guys. Yeah. I I don't
0: really do casual. I
1: don't do casual.
0: I, yeah. How are you is not only like someone showing they care about you. It's also just like an invitation to really notice how you are. Cause I don't often ask myself that question. So when someone asks me, I'm like, huh? oh let's Should really think about
1: that <laughs> yeah, how am i my take stock huh. yeah. Well, i just knocked oh. over my cereal bowl with my tits so what <laughs> did happen to me <laughs> yep okay <laughs> i got cereal all over me I had to shower this thing is happening to me recently where i don't understand the boundaries of my body and it hasn't yes yes yes, yes. okay
0: I just turn, I turn corners and I'm yeah. walking mm-hmm, into them. Absolutely.
1: I was coming out of the, your kitchen earlier. I walked into a chair. I was yeah. like, didn't even know it was there.
0: Constantly hitting the wall
1: insane. with my shoulders and my hips. Yes. Just like, oh, okay. Turn Turning like a turnstile. <laughs> I'm just like bonking. <laughs> it's crazy.
0: Yes, it is. I'm glad it's not just me. Um, I have some things to say about this situation you were just describing. You probably have more to say about it too.
1: Let's get into it.
0: I I feel like I learned a lot. From this from watching tell, this all happen,
1: tell yeah. Yes, yeah. yeah.
0: I, have, I have a few thoughts. One is just the red flag of someone who can't take no for an answer, right? Even so if it seems you, small.
1: Can you explain what was I didn't really get into that at
0: yes. all? Yes, so so this person who was your ex and friend and friend, friend before
1: and after, yeah, yes. Um, who unsolicited uh, said to me during all of this, that I was the person who knew them best in the world, that they value my relationship with them was invaluable and that they never wanted to do anything to hurt me.
0: Right. This person showed in many situations with many people that they are not good at receiving a no that when they asked someone out and they said, no, that That was not the last time they were going to ask them out. That when they asked you to change your feelings about them going out with your friend and you said, no, this is how I feel. I'm not telling you what to do, but this is how I feel. This is how it might affect our friendship. They could not accept that and pushed and pushed and pushed and pushed. I had other experiences with my first no not being enough, having to say no multiple times with this person. And I just think I'm done with that. What I really hope I do the next time I'm in a situation like this, I mean, or any situation where I say no once and someone asks me again, I really hope I just say one no is enough. Do not ask me again. You know what I mean? Like, I just want to be like, I already answered you. I don't want to engage. I don't want to say no, 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 no. No. I don't want to do that ever again. Like, I told you my answer. If you're having trouble with that, deal with it without me. And that's that
1: that was that was a big part of this is that from both people i was getting that i was getting like a revisit a revisiting of how i was doing and a check in about how i was doing as a means of like how they would then function moving forward or i was asked at one point by this person my ex this boy man boy man man boy man boy um to give my blessing like okay, I hear you, but I don't think that anything will change with, with your friend and me unless you give her your blessing.
0: And and this person was not asking you to actually be okay with Feel it because good. you were no. not okay with it. They were asking you to say, they were okay, acti- anyway.
1: Right, they were actively dismissing how I was feeling in the moment by saying that i I don't know it, I didn't know it then, but I was overreacting and that it wouldn't affect our friendship how I thought it would.
0: Yes. And just to clarify that you, that Rebecca was overreacting. Not that this person was overreacting.
1: And we're, I don't know if it's clear we're not friends anymore. We are not friends anymore. And I also want to say that like, that was the initial conversation that I had with this person. There were many others that were bad and similar. And I think maybe if that was the only time we had spoken about it, and I, they had, like, figured it out on their own. Maybe I would still be friends with this person. but You I'm... tried
0: after that conversation. Yeah. You tried many times to stay friends. You kept trying to hang out and talk on the phone and see if you could still be friends.
1: That's true. Yeah, I don't take losing people lightly. Right. It just became so clear to me during this situation that this person really values their romantic relationships over their friendships and that now that we were in sleeping together i became less valuable to them and they had less patience for me they had less interest in me and i became someone they were willing to lose because of their romantic interest and with someone who they not only met through me but had only met a few times didn't know very well, and I had been friends with this guy since summer camp, and he was really sort of like the last male person that I felt like wanted to be my friend, like actually wanted to be my friend, and it was so clear that that was not the case, or maybe maybe He just didn't know how to be a friend to a woman. And that's equally upsetting and scary to find out.
0: So that's like another thing that comes up for me. Is just being aware of the ways in which it felt like this person only valued women for sex. It's like the concept of the friend zone, right? It's like the idea of getting friend zoned is like, you're punishing me by only letting me be your friend and not letting me have sex with you. It's like being my friend is not a punishment actually. It's like the greatest gift that you could receive. So the idea that it's just, yeah, it's just something I've been thinking about. Like, and I've been thinking about it with children and like how we socialize children, how we socialize boys, like what girls are valuable for. It's like, really just threw away a really special friendship because yeah, what so many I mean it, <laughs> Rebecca see you can't see me, but I'm just um tired. Have my head in my hands. <laughs> We're tired. Oh my god, just just the ways in which people in the past year have shown us that um some, some men in our lives seem to really not be able to have a friendship with a woman unless there's at least the possibility of sex. And when that possibility goes away, that person is not interested. This has been other friends of mine. I've been talking to them about this too. Like men who are their close friends who only call them when they're single, when they're between partners. It's like, well, maybe we'll hook up. Maybe Like, yeah. oh, now I want to hang out with you because maybe it'll be something. It's like, if you didn't want to talk to me when we couldn't have sex, I don't want to talk to you. And it just, yeah, I've just been thinking about the importance of from a very young age, people of all genders being encouraged to play together and value each other and get to know each other. The problem with like boys versus girls games on the playground, like all of this stuff in like early socialization, like the fact, you know, adults, we know this, but adults saying to little kids like, oh, is he your boyfriend? Not little kids or older kids. Like I I heard that in middle school. I had a new friend who was a boy.
1: Somebody asked me. I still think that. I mean, I don't ask people, but. I like just because of the way that I was conditioned, I guess. Mm -hmm. And because I have a real interest in romantic relationships. (laughs) Whenever I see people together in twos, I'm like, so (laughs) what's going on? Right.
0: And like, yeah. And, and even, even when it's not about sex, like at camp, I went to theater camp. there were not that many boys there and most of the boys there were gay or a lot of them were right. And even so like boys and girls were still kept really separate. Like our cabins were really separate. You weren't supposed to go in each other's cabin. So it wasn't even about, I mean, ostensibly it was probably about sex, but also it's like, even when it's not about us dating each other, it's like, we still were different. Like you are friends with you and you are friends with you. And like, we just don't get chances to really learn how valuable friends of all genders are. And so that's something I'm thinking about with, children and education. And I just am
1: so frustrated. Something that I thought about while you were, this is, this doesn't have to do with gender, but um, just to bring it a little bit back to the question, something that I realized also throughout this whole saga and this learning experience was that also what this person had done was periodically asked me how I was, which sort of like threw me off my game a bit mm. like really roped me into thinking they they were asking to be there for me
0: mm.
1: which is also not always how it's used it can also yeah. be like as a as a way to like tee up a response for someone to then respond or to like gauge where you're at so that they know how to then Uh tiptoe around or manipulate the situation or how much they
0: can ask you for right now or right yeah and that was a lot of what was happening as well yeah yeah i mean in terms of how we all were during this period too is like yeah not so good. <laughs> not
1: so good. I
0: wasn't even that directly involved. And I just, the rage, like the rage headaches
1: I got during this period of our lives. <laughs> You're such a good friend. <laughs> I just felt like. Let's, how, let's also not forget to say uh-huh. what we're going to say.
0: How <laughs> is this what we have to spend our minds on? Yeah. That's not a phrase, but. But sure. Right? And I was like, we are strong, powerful, interesting humans. With so much to talk about, so much to do in the world. But do you know what we are always talking about for like six months? Yeah. Is this mistreatment. Right. By this one guy. Right. Who is not worth this much mental space. And emotional energy. No. Just not. And I still think about him a lot because I'm so mad about how he behaved and treated my friends. And I'm sure will continue to treat women. And this is just one guy. He's not the only guy I know who's who's mistreating women. You know what I mean? Like if I really stop, if I really get, whew, I just, <laughs> I just felt so angry, and that wasn't great for me. <laughs> if someone had asked me how I was during any of these periods, I might have been like, I am very worried about my friends, and very mad, and <laughs> and sad, and and I have a lot of feelings that just like I could have directed elsewhere. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. I mean, there was a point in it. Where I had to be like, I'm removing my th- myself from the situation. I can't believe I'm still a part of it. All I had to do, I mean, it's a little bit like, whatever, you, like in a in a in a maze of mice. Like I'm just gonna I'm just gonna drop this one this wall in the middle of your maze and see mm. like which ways you guys scurry. It's mm. really not what I mean, <laughs> but like I was honest and I was open and I was like, if you know me, if I'm getting to the point where I'm going to tell you how I feel. I'm going to tell you how I feel. I'm not just going to say it, you know, this way or that way so that it seems like I'm this kind of person. I was like, you guys know me. It took a lot for me to say this. I'm telling you how I feel. Do with it what you want, honestly.
0: Right, that's what you said every step of the way.
1: Every time. I was like, it'll be hard for me. That's what I'm telling you.
0: It might affect our friendship.
1: It might affect our friendship. I'm not now going to grant you permission,
0: but you have permission. You don't need permission, you don't need it. you're an adult, right. And like I said this to you the other day, but if this person had just said, "I hear you, Rebecca, I understand this might affect our friendship. I'm choosing to pursue this person anyway because it's that important to me, and I will accept responsibility for the consequences. I would have respected that. I would not have loved it. I would have been sad that this person was not valuing your friendship as highly as I think your friendship should be valued. But I understand that, right? You're saying like, I hear you. I I thank you for that information. I'm going to make the choice I'm going to make. Sure. And the fallout will be the fallout.
1: Absolutely. Don't devalue that how I'm telling you I am feeling and what I think will happen based on your fabricated idea of who I am as a person or like the structure of our friendship. I don't know. I
0: mean, this person was saying like, you're incorrect. You right. think you think it could hurt
1: us, but it can't. You think... You're so much stronger than you think, Rebecca. You can weather this storm. I can't even... I mean, that was essentially what was happening. Right. was like, using how I present myself against me was like, you're in an open relationship. You're a feminist. You're like this strong person. So this is fine for you. This is what
0: you want. This I remember that quote. Want. Isn't this what you want, Rebecca? Right. You were like, I'm quite sure I'm telling you right now that I don't want it.
1: Right. For anyone who's in an open relationship and is receiving feedback from people in the world that what we want is just for like everyone we love and have ever slept with to be sleeping with each other, I'm so sorry. That is not the case,
0: right? Still oh my feelings, God.
1: still communication, still key. boundaries, still boundaries. more
0: than ever communication and boundaries. I know. Woo! I think yeah, that like leads us to talk a little bit about gaslighting. I just I don't know if we've <laughs> yeah. talked about that on Let's the podcast. Let's talk before. about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just. um it's just don't do that, and and let's notice, let's notice when people are gaslighting. Let's support each other in noticing. That's it. Reality check. That's not real. That's not real. That's that person making up a reality for you. It's very confusing. It's be- I don't like it. That's all.
1: I really thought there was gonna be <laughs> <No>. more of a flourish. No,
0: no, just like don't no, don't do it. I just wrote in my notes. No more gaslighting. <laughs> That's what I wrote as my learning from this situation.
1: <laughs> no more. Just in case anyone's wondering how the story ended, um, I went to go visit this friend of mine, the the ex and the friend, and thought we were having a really normal, good day. And then um, he propositioned me to have sex. So while still pretending that he cared about me and, and also my saying best to friend, you for months
0: and months and months and months that.
1: He didn't see me that way. It would never happen again. I don't know what I was thinking. Like, he was like, I don't even know. If, I don't know if you're thinking that we're going to start dating again, but it's I really don't see you. you. Yeah, I don't see you that way anymore. And certainly sex doesn't mean that someone has the desire to date you, but how dare you? How dare you? How dare you? Anywho. So
0: just to go back to like what I've learned as a teacher from some of these moments, I mentioned, you know, making sure that people of all genders play together and get opportunities to be close, because that seems very important. Another big thing I was thinking about in terms of the not taking no for an answer bit is just the ways that we help young people learn to deal with rejection, deal with a no. That is a skill that has to be learned. And the people who are the worst at it in this world are obviously the people who are most privileged because they've heard no the least, right? The people who are most entitled, often white, middle, upper class men, straight like right like these these are people who have heard no less than i've heard no less than most people i'll, I'll admit that i'm a, a I've white woman heard no, but, yeah. I, i've heard no a lot and also i've i have heard no less than a lot of people. yes yeah um so i just think a lot with young people about how we can support them through their feelings when they hear no so sometimes that means just sitting with them while they really feel disappointed. So that they know, first of all, they're not alone in it. They can't use that disappointment to pressure someone into saying yes, but they can feel all the feelings and it will pass, right? Like from as simple as when a kid wants a toy another kid is playing with, they might try to grab it out of their hands, right? I, as a teacher might say, like, oh, actually, instead of grabbing it, you can ask them if they would like to share that with you. A kid asks, can I please have that toy? The kid says no. The first kid is like, "What the hell? You told me to ask? I asked.
1: I did everything right. I
0: did everything right. I was nice. Where's the toy? Right? And I as the teacher get to be like, "Yeah, you, you asked them. They had the choice to say yes or no. They're using it. They said, "No. You're so disappointed. You really wanted that toy. Oh mm, you hurt? Oh, you really, <laughs> you really wanted it. I'm going to sit right here with you. I'm not going to say, "Oh, it's okay. there's another one. It's another one. Don't worry. Right. I'm going to say, no, yeah, you did not get what you wanted right now. And I will sit with you. You can tantrum about it. That's great. You cannot go back over to that child and say, please, 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 please. You cannot tantrum right next to that child so that they feel, feel guilty. guilty. But we can tantrum far away from the child. You can have all the feelings. I will sit right there with you. And it will pass. And it will be all right. And that is so important. Reminding young people that when they ask a question, they can hear a yes or a no. It's not if you ask, then you get it. If you ask, you can hear a yes or
1: a no. Right. Right. There's a lot of, there's a lot of uh, phrasing around. Well, did did you ask politely? Did you say please? Did you say please? And with, right. Like that's a lot of how I see parents and I've done it too. When I, when I babysat and I just want someone to treat me with some respect Mm -hmm. or like to show that they know that I'm a person too, Mm -hmm. to be like, can you ask me nicely? Mm -hmm. But I would I would never turn around and be like, no, but thanks for asking. <laughs> but kids and peers are, you know, mm-hmm. more than capable and supposed to be doing that, yeah. advocating for themselves. And
0: I say no, too. Like, when a kid, I, you know, we've been doing piggyback rides, right? Okay, we've done three piggyback rides. My back hurts. They say, I want another one. I say no.
1: I say, sure. please, 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 I'm please. I'm just please. saying I would never say, ask me nicely and then say no.
0: Sure, but... I might say like, you know what? You're asking in a way that's really not kind. I would prefer you ask in a kinder way, but even so right now the answer is no. Sure. Um, And I actually really don't appreciate you asking more times after I've said no, because it makes me feel like you're not listening to me. Yes. Okay. So let's, let's all work. I mean, let's all work on that together. Most of us didn't get that as kids. So I'm not always good at hearing it out either. It's been a journey for me.
1: I'm I'm bad. I'm bad at it.
0: I'm better now. Sure. But yeah, it's really hard, and sometimes it feels really bad. But that doesn't mean it's the person's fault who said no, that I feel bad. And it
1: doesn't mean it's a challenge for you to make them say yes. No, exactly. Um, What else is in your notes, what else is in your notes?
0: Well, um, I also just was thinking about uh, in terms of the nice guy. The nice guy issue, <laughs> and how we how we talk to kids about that, how we support kids to not grow up into the capital N, capital G, nice guy. And I was just thinking part of it is is how we teach about kindness and how we teach about kindness not being for a reward. Nice guy behavior inherently is like, I'm behaving how I think someone should be nice, and then because I behave that way, I think I deserve... Women to give me what I want. Right. I was nice to you. And now you don't even want to hang out with me. Like, fuck you. Right. Like that's the nice guy thing with children. It's like, you know, well I shared, so you have to share with me. Right. I, I did this nice thing for you. So now when I ask you for this thing, you have to do it. Right. And that's like a normal developmental thing for a kid to think. But, we need to be the ones as adults like, oh, actually, you know what? It's really great that you shared. Did it make you feel good to share? That's awesome. They don't owe you anything. It's You're frustrated that you shared and they're choosing not to share right now. But actually, I mean, sharing is a whole thing, right? Like when we force kids to share. I, I don't really know about that in general. <laughs> like we all have things that we don't want to share and that's fine, right? Like I... I say no to sharing my phone with kids a lot. Kids will pick it up and I'll say, please ask me first. And sometimes it's a yes and sometimes it's a no. It's my choice. And it should be the same thing with their things, right? And like we want to encourage pro-social behavior, right? We want to say like, well, what, you know, sharing can feel really good because then you can play together or you can make someone happy and maybe that feels good to you, right? We can help them notice all of that. But you don't share share because you want to manipulate someone into doing something. you right like that's that's not what we want to be teaching children so i just think it's important with kids to talk about like when you're kind to someone notice how it makes them feel like oh that's so wonderful like look you really like they're really smiling but like we don't do like tit for tat i'm kind to you so you'll do what i want and that i feel like is important in not creating situations like this
1: right right we're not doing transactional kindness here. right exactly
0: yeah. Yeah. And so in general, my learnings from a lot of the experiences we've both had this year is that I just am not going to put up with mistreatment hopefully as much anymore. And I just want to really deal with, really tackle my deeply internalized like need or desire for male approval. Like I just put up with more Bad behavior for men, I think, subconsciously, because I was taught so deeply that what they think of me really matters, that it's important to be cool to them by their standards, right, in quotes, fun by their standards, easygoing. going. Easy going. Right? We just talked about that. I am not easygoing. I have never been easygoing. There's nothing about me that's easygoing. I, that's not me. I don't think I'm, like unpleasant to be around I don't think I'm like super difficult no. but I'm not easygoing I have big feelings a lot in many directions I'm, like I have strong opinions easygoing means you don't have strong opinions right it's like anything's fine like no I like some things and I don't like other things like all humans right so just like really trying to notice not wait for so much bad behavior before I'm like okay we're done just like the little things, the mansplaining, the nice guying, the gaslighting, the not taking no for an answer in low key situations. Like I want to notice all of that right away and tell people I'm not going to put up with that. You may not treat me like that the first time. You know what I'm saying? Yes.
1: Yeah. Yes. So
0: I would just say that for the last question of how, would you how I would answer this for a kid, child? I would just say, be, be real honest. Yeah. Be real. Be for real. Be for real. Be honest. (laughs) I mean, not, not, I mean, the one distinction I would put, and then we've been talking about this too in our teaching, is you don't want to put your feelings on a child such that they feel responsible for your feelings, right? So we don't want to ever make them feel like they have to be taking care of our feelings. With that one caveat, yeah, let's tell them how we're doing. For real. What is Sex is brought to you by a generous grant from the Independence Public Media Foundation in Philadelphia. We are so grateful.
1: We also want to thank all of our patrons who have been keeping us afloat. Special thanks to our sex ed sustainers, Jamie Price, Leonard Klein, Susan Abraham, Katie Gifford, and Molly Waggett.
0: If you want to support this podcast, go to patreon.com slash yes to consent and become a patron today.
1: This podcast is hosted by me, Rebecca Klein, and Izzy Abraham-Raveson, mixed by Mike Morangello. music by Austin Alfano, artwork by Rebecca Klein and Jackie Soro, and a special thanks to the kids who asked the questions and inspired this podcast.